Sarah Fitlake and welcome into the Fourth and Forever podcast. And no, we have still not been told to change our name yet, so that's a plus. Uh, last week we brought you a belated NFC season preview, and this week, well, we simply did not have time for an AFC preview before the start of the season, so I'm afraid that will just have to go on the back burner for now because, yeah, we've been a bit busy, uh, running a little bit behind, so... Week one is in the books, and week two has just begun with the Washington football team's last gasp field goal victory over the Giants, and we have done zero preparation for this episode. So let's just see how we do on the fly, I guess. Uh, Stuart Bothwell here with Darren Butter. Darren, week one threw up a lot of surprises, a few nasty injuries, and some great individual and team performances. Um, Obviously, we're just kind of going to go a bit uh, ad hoc with this one, but... If it's all right with you, I would like it if we could, uh, aside from doing the key points that you want to just highlight and talk about, I wonder what that might be, um, if we could just look at some of the scores and you could tell me whether this week one result is an anomaly uh, or, you know, is the winner a pretender or is that winner legit? Does that sound like something we could do? It does have to say sure that I am, it's like running back nicknames, you know, Darren Ad Hoc Butter. Darren Ad Hoc Butter. Live my life on the fly, <laughs> to be honest. So this is pretty normal for me to... <laughs> Just da- 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 Darren piece of shit butter because you also live your life on a fly. <laughs> might, be, might be stringing that together a little bit too quickly, but yeah. Um, week one's in the books. It was pretty exciting for the most part. There was, there was a lot of um, interesting results all the way through. Like I say, there were some real surprises. Um, so... I guess we'll maybe just start off with that so that we at least have some structure up front in, in, in the, the pod, and then we just kind of go from there. So I guess, well, first first of all, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most surprising uh, victory that we had to start off, but it was an excellent game. Um, uh, so I just thought I'd ask, for the sake of it, the Cowboys and Buccaneers game, you know, well, first of all, we know that the Bucs aren't pretenders, are they? No, definitely not, no. They are... Um... They're the best team in the league, and um, I think other fixtures during the week weekend have shown that the Bucks are the best. Like the Cowboys put up a good fight in that game, but look at how some of the other teams have performed. Um, the Tampa Bay have the same issues everyone else has. You haven't played in front of a crowd, or mm. you know, in your own well, in in this scheme or that since last year, or even further back for some, and to be able to see out a last minute win. Yeah. In week one is perfect, you know. You just have to get the win in week one. It does take a few weeks to build into it. And the fact that Tom Brady was so sharp on the deep ball mm. um, and he was able to move linebackers with his eyes, you know, do all the things that Tom Brady does from week one, mm-hmm. include like even while carrying Goodwin, who dropped the ball a few times and, yeah. you know, not having the offensive line exactly where he wanted them. There was some pressure on him. Like he was able to do it. So I think that. Yes, it was closer than probably people thought it was going to be, but if you take the week one into it, I think this is a really good result for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, obviously, Tom Brady's now 15-4 in week one as a starter. Didn't he uh, like tear his knee in one of those week ones as well? So uh, one of those losses probably. Yeah, probably <laughs> wouldn't count against him. I don't think that's really fair, is it? <laughs> but um, yeah, the the, 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 the the Buccaneers were great. They were Super Bowl champions for a reason, but the Cowboys really gave them a run for their money. Um, obviously, they just—they looked really holy on, on defense for a lot of the time, but that offense looked as advertised. Certainly in the in the passing game, in the in the running game, the 
didn't really get much done uh, on the ground, but that's because everything was just going through the passing game and this. I think they knew that that was just the way it was going to be. I think both teams knew that that was the way that they could give themselves a chance at victory in this. So the Cowboys, we think that they kind of did themselves justice in this one by keeping it close. Are, are they a good football team on the whole? Uh, not really. I think they have... A really good quarterback in Dak, like Dak at like seventy percent or whatever he probably was in that mm. game was unbelievable. And they have, sharp. they have you know CD Lamb and and Amari Cooper. You know Amari Cooper's one of my faves, and they they just they're gonna get into the corners. You know they're gonna be able to run corner and catch the ball, and that's gonna give them points. Yeah. And they're gonna score points. The issue I have is that Isaac Elliott is currently the highest paid blocking running back <laughs> in history. He is. By far the best blocking running back mm-hmm. in the league, but you're not paying him just he to block. Be for doing he that, should, no. he should be able to get at least three and a half, four yards against this line. The fact that they didn't even want to try says to me that they just don't feel very confident in running the ball with Zeke and making it a priority. They didn't even try to establish it. It was just. That's not going to work on mm. paper, so mm. we're not even going to look at it. Yeah, like on unlimited attempts, Tony Pollard was probably a little more effective as well. But uh, um, yeah, like when you've got a passing offense like they do, I, I don't think you need a running back. Which is yeah. now, so like, have you changed your tune on Ezekiel Elliott? Because um, I remember like a few years ago, you were kind of along the lines of he was maybe the one of the exceptions to the pay the running back rule, and now I we're kind of saying like, if mm, they maybe can, we're feeling a bit differently now. If he's fit and they go up against the Jags or something, you're going to see. Zeke, oh, he'll, he'll go up off. to the paycheck, but in the big games in front of the you know, the big sevens and the big mm. eights, like he's always had problems when the people stack the box. Yeah, and he and they don't play a system that really allows them to get to the outside. But we'll see as Dak gets more mobile. Maybe we'll see more bootleg, more like you know, yeah, more, more, more allows, confidence in that sort of play. Yeah, allows them to stretch and put people and in, teams into quarters and allow them to like yeah. run. Both, both teams look pretty similar in terms of the way that they spread the ball around, uh, except for Amari Cooper being the outlier with 13 receptions for 139 yards and two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had a great great time of it too. Then uh, after that, the ball was spread around nicely between Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. Um, and then on the other side, it was Antonio Brown, who's, uh, whose ch- chance it was to go deep on a couple of occasions here. Five receptions, 121 yards and a touch. Chris Godwin also got over 100 and a touch, but Rob Gronkowski got himself two scores on the night. Uh, Tom Brady's two interceptions, do not look into them, guys. One of them was uh, just a, an, an arm punt uh, Hail Mary at the end of the, the second quarter. And the other one wasn't really much his fault either. But um, yeah, Tampa Bay, legit. Dallas, jury's still out, I think is probably what we're saying in that regard. So I'll um, give a shout. Trayvon Diggs came in second year, cornerback. Didn't have like, a bit up and down last year, but he shot Mike Evans down mm. this week, yeah. last week, and he's a player to look out for. Yeah, but it doesn't matter when they've got the other guys all around there, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's just the way the Buccaneers are just now to pick your poison team. Uh, a team that we didn't really expect would be doing much poisoning except for maybe you're poisoning your eyes was the Texans uh, over the course of the season. Uh, they kind of surprised a lot of people by really running up on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 37-21. to 21. Um, The Jaguars' 20-point halftime deficit was the largest by an Urban Meyer coach team since Florida trailed Alabama 24-3 at halftime in October 2010. Um, so... 
up and down really from Trevor Lawrence here. Uh, three touchdowns, three picks. You really saw the full spectrum of what he can achieve uh, against what this team probably is, um, which is not great. Um, some some of the arm talent that guy has, I, I just very rarely see the zip on the ball that this guy has. He looked like a real proper quarterback at times, but then just, yeah, the the, the interceptions, some of them were really, really dumb and it's just kind of the, the wrong way to play the game. Whereas the Texans just took their opportunities from those interceptions, took care of the football, established quite a solid running game as well, just kind of plow the ball with Mark Ingram and then uh, use Phil Lindsay every now and again. Uh, Brandon Cooks had a big game, good to see from him. Uh, but yeah, this was Tyrod Taylor's team and they looked all right against, admittedly, a bad Jaguars team. Play Texans, can't even tank properly. <laughs> um, I will say that I think... We'll keep uh, it short on these ones. Yeah, well. from from the Jacksonville point of view, that they, Urban Meyer's got a lot of learning to do about the NFL. Mm. Um, just the way he structures his attacks, and he, I don't think they were very balanced. Um, from what I've seen, like they weren't very creative, and they didn't run the ball an awful mm. lot. And you think you should be able to run up and down on the Texans, um, with James Robinson, um, but they they relied on Trevor, and when you rely on a rookie who hasn't been in that position before then you know it happened with Payton mm-hmm. you know, you, you're gonna get ups and downs and yeah they got both it's like every, yeah it was like the best roller coaster in the world if you're a yeah fan, it's, a, it's a relatively fun debut it was an interesting game to watch uh, Lawrence did finish up with over 300 yards three touchdowns and three picks uh, about 50 percent man has a clean release yeah oh He's man so it's, pretty it's a re- real pretty ball that he throws it's it's real nice um I, I've got a feeling that for him this season could be like a real find your feet type deal. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Peyton Manning ends up speaking to him and says like, hey, you, you know, like I had this crazy Manning first season. Crazy. It was really aggressive both ways. But you figure out when, like wh- where the real windows are in the NFL because they're a lot tighter. Um, but yeah, not, not, not too bad. I, I would certainly say that um, the Texans are still not a great team. Neither are the Jaguars. I think both of these teams are going to be down quite low uh, come the end of the season. But, I mean, someone's got to to, to score here. And some of these players on, on the Texans, especially if you look at the, the offense in particular, there's some decent guys there. Brandon Cooks, Mark Ingram, uh, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Phil Lindsay. Farrow uh, uh, Brown had a crazy catch in this game as well. Um, very, very impressive. Like They're not... You know, complete scrubs around him like that. A lot of these are consummate professionals. Some maybe a little bit past their prime, but uh, you know, there's some some options there. And then on the defensive side, you don't really have too much. Vernon Hargraves had, uh, I think, he had two interceptions in this game, and he was still crap. So that is <laughs> just one thing was taken away. Just give it up for Christian Kirksey and um, Whitney Merciless just getting paid. Yeah, good job, <laughs> just guys. Just getting paid. Just take it. 15 million a year each or whatever it is just to play on this team because the salary cap has to be filled. Well, why not? Eh? You know, that's what you do. Yeah. So um, Texans, legit? No. Correct. <laughs> uh, oh, I see. What, what will we look at next? Um I think I want to take a quick look at the Seahawks Colts. So the Seahawks ran out uh, 28-16 winners here. Um, but the Colts didn't look in- incredibly awful, I-, I guess. Like You still see there being being something in there for them. Uh, Carson Wentz was all right. 
Uh, the running game didn't really help him too much. Um, he, he looked like a like a proper NFL quarterback again. Um, but it's just that when you're going up against Russell Wilson, who's just dropping dimes like that absolute beauty to Tyler Lockett in the end zone, where Lockett completely loses the ball up in the air and re- readjusts and catches it kind of straight over his head. Absolutely incredible. When you, you anticipate doing that, but in full pads and a helmet and stuff where you can't see anything anyway, incredible. Um, Chris Carson looked really solid in this one too. Um, but yeah, I think... Well, like I say, I'm not planning to keep going on too much about all these, but the Seahawks 28-16, is that Seahawks are legit? Um, I'm not saying Super Bowl winners, but they're a strong team, correct? They're a strong team, yeah. They've got um, they've got the players to compete. I don't know if they can compete in their own division in mm-hmm. some ways, but they're going to... That division's crazy. Though. They're going to keep it competitive. And, um, you know, I... I mean, this is closer than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Like Wentz's first game, um, the offensive line being in tatters, like the Colts offensive line has had the the worst luck in the league. Mm. Um, and Carson Wentz looks like Carson Wentz. Like they said, oh, this will be the great situation for him because he'll get his three seconds to make a decision. But mm-hmm. you know, if he doesn't get that two three seconds, he's flappy and makes mistakes, and mm. he's always been flappy and makes mistakes. Well, especially after the after the injuries and stuff, you can't you can't really blame him. But uh, mm. yeah, like again, he was he was sacked as he often is, and so was Russell Wilson. They're two of the most sacked QBs in in history, I think, really. But um, I think we kind of got what we expected from from both of these guys, and ultimately from both of these teams. Yes, mm-hmm. I gotta agree with that. You worried about the Colts? You th- reckon they can still get something out of this season? No, we're going to find out all about it on Hard Knocks in the season. Indeed we are. A very which, interesting development from uh, tonight's broadcast. Which I guess is why Amazon packed a fit about their show and refused to do it this year. Because obviously they've signed a deal to do Hard Knocks mm-hmm. as well. So, so making a bit more sense. To, to, to clarify for the listeners, uh, during the... Washington football team versus uh, New York Giants broadcast tonight. They announced that there is going to be a an in-season hard knocks following the Indianapolis Colts, which I think is going to be a pretty fascinating watch because there's only so much you can get during you're not the preseason. Learn any, you're not going to learn. like In the Amazon one, which was released after the season, you got in-depth interviews and meetings because mm-hmm. the season's over. Mm-hmm. During the season, I don't know if there's going to be the same kind of access to the players you'd expect. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do. Like, I, if, if I watch the first episode and it's like, oh, well, we're not really seeing anything, then well, what's the point? But um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Just went walking around his kitchen going, you know, I think I can do better. Yeah, yeah, Carson. Okay. Yeah, all right. Good job. Good job. <laughs> uh, so um, another one where we were a little bit like, uh eh. You know, what are these teams? Uh, was the Jets versus the Carolina Panthers? So Sam Darnold, in his return to New the, to the New York Jets, uh, sorry, he didn't wasn't actually returned to New York. This was held in Carolina, but um, he ended up defeating his old team, nineteen fourteen, and looked looked pretty good for the most part from from what I've seen. Um, yeah, um, he they, he was carried by. His skill players a bit, but I guess that's that's what you'd expect in your first game. You've never played in the system before. Um, just McCaffrey, man. Mm. Like, there's... I never really say it. Like, 
the amount of work he does for that team, the complete over-reliance on him in some ways. The fifth game in his career where he's gone over 80 yards receiving and uh, rushing in the same game. He's just... They're just impressive. And Matt Rule's a really good coach. I'd like to see a little bit more creation out of it. It's kind of shotgun. You know, there's only... They only had one rusher. There's no. They're not going double set. They're not getting a, a fullback involved. They only ran DJ Moore once with it. Like I think they need to spread it out a bit. I think it's a bit too um, vanilla. Vanilla too, like expected. And mm-hmm. look, if you got a car that you've had for forty years and it still runs and gets used to the shop, you can drive your car. And that's what McCaffrey kind of has become. But he should be. <laughs> he should be more. He should be more. He should be the Ferrari that you take out like once a week and. You know, hit some amazing plays on. But that's how you're going to say hit some pedestrians <laughs> with, which is really uh, unsettling. But that's what he's trying to do. Hit yeah, some linebackers. Yeah, well, but there's they, some pedestrian they, linebacker play from the Jets in this one, anyway. So yeah, probably. I think I just think that the Panthers should have a Matt, a Mike uh, Ingram, or something, and, and be a little bit more flexible with have how they use pace. McCaffrey because mm. playing him as much as they play him isn't going to work for anyone. Um, it's going to become too obvious, and he's going to get hurt. And then if, if McCaffrey gets hurt, the season's over. Yeah. Um, don't ask me how Zach Wilson did in this one, because I don't have the stats in front of me, because for whatever reason, there's no passing stats underneath the, the NFL.com uh, box score there. Um, and he was okay. From, 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 what I was, from what I saw in the, yeah, in the coverage, he looked, he looked okay. He was okay. But he got a bit flustered a few times. Yeah, he was, he, was sacked, he was sacked six Brian times. Burns had him on toast. Yeah, he was sacked six times, which is is uh, uh, one of four QBs since 1970 to be sacked six plus times in the week one of their rookie season. Archie along with Man- Archie Manning, <laughs> uh, I believe that will be uh, first David Carr yep. and Deshaun Kaiser. So yeah, that's a good sign. So some some interesting uh, a mixed bag there, <laughs> um, but it didn't help that Mackay Becton went down in this one. Um, yeah, so best player on that team. Yeah, I'd wish say. him a speedy recovery because pound for pound, best player on that team. Yeah, like, big man. I just just want to see him have a, have a run of games so that we can actually get an idea about just how good he is because when he is on he seems to be great so I'm I'm really interested to see how that that pans out. Um, Carolina Panthers legit. Um, kind of hot take it here with Terry, Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. they'd be competing for that seventh pick wow, okay. in, in the NFC seventh slot mm-hmm. with Darnold no. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think that they've stepped back by getting Darnold. They should have just kept Bridgewater, which I'm sure you're going to get to at some point. I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Um, Moving on, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were pushed to overtime by the Vikings, but came out on the other side uh, 27-24 in overtime. Um, You know, just uh, Kirk Cousins doing Kirk Cousins things, getting it close, but uh, no cigar. Um, Dalvin Cook put the ball on the ground, quote-unquote, um, to basically hand Cincinnati the the victory, there's a lot of people saying that that was the least fumble fumble that they've ever seen, uh, and so a lot of people were very upset about this. But um, a nice showing from Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Mixon really contributed in this one as well. Twenty nine carries for 127 yards and a touch, um, and Burrow went twenty of twenty seven for two hundred sixty one and two. So they obviously said, right, we're gonna. We're really just going to try and plow the ball here with Mixon wherever possible, especially since they were up ahead uh, towards the end of it and didn't really do particularly well at sealing the game. Um, So, like, Jamar Chase finally got rid of his yips and uh, started up with five receptions for 101 yards and a touch, along with T. Higgins also getting the score. 
the Bengals any good? I want I want to like them because I really like Joe Burrow and he's mm. such a brilliant passer of the ball. He's so fluid. He just he's a guy you want to root for, but I don't think they have enough yet. I think there's still a few draft like another draft away from being competitive, especially in the division mm. they're in. Mm. You um, think that defense might be a bit of a problem still? Yeah, definitely. They, they shouldn't be considering how far ahead they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they were playing to get it to overtime against the Vikings, that they've given up a bit of like esteem there. They mm. should have been able to see that out without needing to go to overtime. I think that's a. I think it's a bit of a learning curve for their their coach there. Um, uh, it's yeah, you got to be able to to seal these ones out. But um, you know, they, they weren't the only team to blow a fourth quarter lead this uh, this week. Um. Bengals, like you know, Minnesota, they're a, a a decent scalp. I think that they they clearly have a lot of of talent, but the depth is the real problem. So, the fact that they still didn't manage to get anything done out of this game early on uh, would be a bit worrying for me. I think most people would have expected them to beat the Bengals, um, but yeah, like I say, I, I don't think the Vikings fans should look too much into this because had it not been for that Dalvin Cook fumble, uh, they, they would have won this game. Cook wasn't having the best game um, of his career, but you know, I would really trust him to do something about that there. So, Bengals legit? No. No. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll put them like a, like a, not legit with an asterisk because I think that they've, they've got a lot more to them than they did last season at the very least. Since what we consider by it, we should probably should have defined legit. Um... No. <laughs> da- Darren, you asked, like, you asked to do this 15 minutes ago and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just finishing work. Let's do the thing. Okay, whatever. Um, Arizona Cardinals beat the Tennessee Titans 38-13, to an absolute trouncing in Tennessee. And um, Kyler Murray just looked on fire for this one. Um, 289 yards, four touchdowns and a pick, uh, as well as a rushing touchdown. He's just dropping dimes and buckets all over the place. Just that that small frame, that speed, that fluidness, that zip that he gets on the ball. He's just really fun to watch. I love watching him throw the ball. Um, whereas on the Tennessee side of things, they just never really quite got things going. Derrick Henry was held relatively in check, but um, yeah, there's just there's just something really not clicking with that um, that that offense at the moment, especially in the passing game. It just looked really quite basic, and I think that they are perhaps missing their offensive coordinator from last season. Do you think that this is something that they should really be worried about, or? Is this maybe just the case of the week one yips? I've said yips a couple of times through the course of this. I'm sorry if that's off-putting for everyone. <laughs> the Titans are... I don't know if they're the best constructed team. They are relying quite heavily on a couple of players that have just come back from injury. It's a depth thing, perhaps, for them. Um, the The main issue is that you got to protect Tannehill. He's not going to take off and run or be able to you know, hold on to the ball for... A, an extended length of time. So having your left tackle get beat five times in a row mm. <laughs> or whatever it was, or having to take the left tackle out of the game because he can't stop Chandler Jones, who had five sacks mm-hmm. in this one, makes a massive difference. Yeah, and, Chandler Jones was absolutely all over the place in this one. It was crazy. And I wonder if it's just maybe this is Lewin's 
you know, kryptonite and the left tackle will bounce back next week or maybe he just wasn't ready because it was a bad injury he had and, you know, maybe that's a coach's decision uh, that went went the wrong way. But they didn't use their, you know, they've got two absolute bosses on in their wide receiver core and AJ Brown and Julio Jones and it just... And really... Mike, Mike Vrabel was not happy with a rather bonehead penalty against Julio as well. Um, yeah. Something that we really have not come to expect from Julio, but very pedestrian performance from him. Three receptions for 29 yards. But like, I think this this could just be one of those things that it might just take a bit of time for these guys to really gel at NFL speed. Um, also, it was, you know, I think Arizona are just kind of set up to go really hot out the gate, mm. like, like they did last season. Um I certainly wouldn't be totally terrified as Tennessee Titans at the moment. Um, I like that alliteration. I felt really good. Um, uh, but like, if you're a Cardinals fan, obviously you just have to be be really heartened by this. I, I think that they run up on what is still a good Tennessee team, regardless of what stage of the season it is. Um, and for the most part, I'd say they're they're legit. Yeah, there's just a very tough division that they're in. There was a lovely story from uh, Kyler saying that um, you know the the addition of Rodney Hudson as a centre as, oh, big, big as, as um, a captain as a leader is huge. He said that um, Rodney Hudson changed the play twice because <laughs> he saw blitzes that Kyler never saw. One of them going for a touchdown, the other one going for a really key third down to first down conversion. So, I yeah. think. Hudson's been consistently one of the take, best centers in the league for a you while. You take Kyler, you add an offensive line because it was literally Swiss cheese when Rosen was there, and it wasn't, it wasn't literally Swiss cheese, Darren. That's uh... the Swissiest of cheeses, <laughs> and you know, it was a metaphorical Swiss cheese. It wasn't much better last year, so to get a bit more security there, give Kyler a bit more confidence. We'll see what he can do. You know, yeah, he's still. Coming up, we, we don't know if he's going to be in that top tier tier level um, mm. as quarterback. But this is one game. To, this game for him shows grandkids, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It was Exc- such a good game. One for Christian Kirk's grandkids too. Two touchdowns, uh, seventy yards, including a, a fantastic bomb as well. Uh, D Hop was all, always up there as well. He got the other two. Just yeah, a really good punch there. Rondell Moore got involved in this one as well, and that was really nice to see. Uh, AJ Green also back on the field catching passes, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're both saying Arizona are legit and Tennessee perhaps don't need to worry after one game. They're in a division that's going to allow them to compete. Yeah. So they just have to make sure they win their division games and then they should be, they'll mm. be okay. But yeah, that, it wasn't a disappointing start, but then it's the same kind of start the Browns had against them last year. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. Yeah, they indeed. did it to someone last year. They've had it done to them this year. Yeah, yeah. so Just get up and go on. I'm I'm going to ask you uh, one here now. It's 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 a like is this team legit even though they lost? Because the Detroit Lions really ran the San Francisco 49ers close, 41-33. Um, it was it was a fun game. There was a lot going on in it. Kyle Shanahan's offense was um, really put through their paces with uh, J- Jimmy G at the helm. For the most part, um, for some reason, I don't don't know what is going on with NFL.com, but they've missed out the fact that uh, Trey Lance came on through through his first pass for a touchdown. It was, it was in the red zone, but you know, first first pass, first touchdown is real nice. Uh, Jimmy G was like pretty good all the way through it as well. Obviously, they've they lost Raheem Mostert in that injury in this one, but Eli Mitchell stepped up up and was really really sharp in this one. 
Um, so that's just gonna gonna add to all of the the fantasy uh, drama for everyone with this uh, constantly changing backfield. Debo Samuel went off 189 yards on nine receptions and a touchdown, and uh, Trent Sherfield showed up too, which was nice. Good for him. Um, but then on the Lions side of things, Jared Goff and that uh, Detroit Lions team, they did pretty well. Um, like a little bit slow to start with. They were really put on the back foot by their by their defense, especially in the second quarter. But um, from the second quarter onwards, they really put their foot on the gas. Uh, Goff had to throw for 38 uh, of 57, 338 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Jamal Williams came up good in the running game. DeAndre Swift got uh, some contributions involved too. TJ Hawkinson looked really, really sharp. Um, it was, you saw the potential from this team, um, yeah, certainly um, on offense, not on defense because they were garbage. Hawkinson was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, nice hair, by the way. Yeah, he's like growing it out. He's, he's, he's looking a bit... A bit of a boss. Big, a bit grungy. He's, he's getting, um, making it his own. He's a captain, and I think they're going to rely on him quite heavily. The, you think? Yeah. <laughs> the one of the unfortunate things from this is, you know, um, Dan Campbell did see it as a learning moment during the game. He, he took Jeffrey Okuda out of the game um, mm. because he was uh, he got called for taunting or something, and then. Mm. Um, shouted at him on the sidelines, you know, he's mic'd up so everyone can, everyone on NFL TV can hear what he's saying to him and then put him back in the game and he went on to tear his Achilles. So yeah. Jeff Akuda out for the season, which just, is just unfortunate. Really unfortunate. He's never had, like, this is a coach that clearly wanted him to get better. Uh, he's just not to had a chance him. to yeah. do anything with it. So that's the same really on the other side, Jason Verrett for the 49ers as well. Uh, the guy with the worst injury luck. He's a top five corner in the NFL if he can stay healthy, but he just never can. And oh, it's just really tragic. Um, is he gone as well? Or yeah, is yeah is he that's out for the season. Um, just just re- real sad. Uh, you just wish you could protect guys like this because, it, it, like I say, it's amazing when he's on the field, but such bad injury luck. I really hope he manages to come back and is given another opportunity somewhere. But yeah, man, they, it just sucks. They did well at getting um, the the cornerback. Cornerbacks, his name's gone. Played for the Bills, got thrown around by the Derrick uh, Henry. Josh Norman. Josh Norman. Yeah, Josh yeah. Norman on veterans like extension for a season, so mm-hmm. they did have cover at cornerback. So you know he'll probably step up and hopefully you'll have to. The Forty Nine ers will just keep going. Um, but that's two big injuries for them, starting cornerback, starting running back. It's tough, again. Yeah, a co- cornerback in particular, I think, is a really important one because he was about the only thing they had close to a legitimate corner. The other guys, it's just a lot, a real lack of depth there that you've got to be really worried about. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just going to be down to coaching here and seeing if they can piece this together. Can Josh Norman step up and be at least, you know, 75% of the player he was six years ago? Who, who really knows? But um, I want to go back to the Lions real quick and just, just ask you, like, is the... Sorry, are, are quarters two, three, and four reflective of the team that this is? Are they potentially a good team, especially on offense? Because they have a good offensive line. I don't think that's in doubt. They have like a top 10 offensive line. Everything else is maybe mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit Everything else follows with the offensive line. So mm-hmm. Goff feels confident they're going to play well. But I don't think it will be enough to really do any damage to the league. I don't think they're going to mm. worry anyone too much. Yeah. So it's a bit of a flip 
uh, from the usual way that I would ask you this, but um, are the Detroit Lions legit, and should you be worried about the 49ers? Uh, no, and mm-hmm. um, no. All right. <laughs> That's it. That's all, all I wanted to check in on, and that was fine. Um, probably the game between the two biggest teams, uh, other than Browns and Chiefs, sorry, Darren, but... Uh, is the Steelers and Bills. So, obviously, a lot expected from the Bills this season. Uh, a lot of people were really poo-pooing the Steelers, especially on that offensive line. Uh, I think PFF ranked it dead last in the NFL. But um, that Steelers defense, man, they are so damn good. Um, TJ Watt returned, having signed his contract, apparently like shoving his agents to one side, just going through, signing the contract and saying, all right, let's get on the field and do this. Um, And yeah, they just terrorized Josh Allen and everyone else all day. Uh, TJ Watt himself, of course, got two sacks. Cam Hayward was in the backfield. Um, Josh Allen, you saw the full spectrum of him as Bill's quarterback, really. Uh, Some some good running, uh, some some great strong downfield throws, some overthrows, um, some miscues. I, from my perspective, I certainly wouldn't be concerned about the Bills. Uh, I would just say that, like you know, the Steelers really, really tough on defense. So you you, you move on from this one. The like the Steelers offense wasn't really up to very much either. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really look like how he used to. But of course, the Bills defense are no slouch either. So Roethlisberger still getting the ball out fast. Just the offensive line not really supporting him. And um, we were speaking about it early. Najee Harris. The, the um, what the quantum spectrum, whatever starts saying that he had to run about, you know, half a foot more than any other running back to in his game. Like the offensive line, was which doesn't pushed, sound like much, but in the grand scheme of things, it is so much that he had to make up a whole half yard before he even got to the line of scrimmage. You know, he was mm. constantly in contact, um, and not having that balance does make it hard for Ben because he's not going to run and he's not going to spread the field. So. Um, it just makes it really obvious where they're going with the ball, and that's to you know Claypool and Schuster, and they just weren't able to to do probably what they wanted to. But you know, big defensive play, get the forced fumble, run it into the end zone, win the game. Steelers are um, really good, looking really good on defense. You know, mm. they were good before, and they've added Joe Schobert and Melvin Ingram. And if Melvin's anything like what he was like mm. a couple of years ago, then that's just and he was very much like how he was a few years ago. I think slotting him into a team that's already totally stacked there uh, makes things just that more terrifying. Like it's exponential when you start putting in stars, studs, great players along a team like that. You got Devin Bush back. Yeah, Devin, Devin, Devin Bush, Bush is back. Micah Fitzpatrick at the Terrell top of the Trying board. to get the same kind of deal as twin brother got this year. Yeah. So he's playing obviously on the final year of his contract, mm-hmm. looking to get paid. Yeah, they're going to be tough. Probably tougher than people were probably expecting them to be. I think, yeah. Like, as long as you've got that defense there, they, they could be really special this season. Tomlin got them to, like, a winning record with Duck Hodges. So, yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches uh, in this generation, if not all of NFL history, with what he's managed to do with... Like, consistently, he does really well. He's done done really well with good teams. Maybe not quite taken some of them as far as they should. Um, but then he's never let them be terrible. It's just not in, in their nature. He just demands it of them. Um, did the Steelers miss out on a trick by n- uh, just letting Najee Harris wear Franco Harris's number 32? So you could just say, like, well, it's still retired as uh, Franco Harris's number. 
It's just just say it's it's more more Harris. No, Najee Harris just has to deal with that. Okay, I wasn't really being that serious in, in my my question there, but um, so with uh, with with Bills here, like I say, they, they still pull up some numbers. Uh, Stephon Diggs was still held relatively in check. Nine receptions for sixty nine yards. Uh, Gabriel Davis had a really nice snag though. But um, Bills, are you worried about them? Are they? I'm a little worried. Mm-hmm. I think um, Josh Allen was a bit like the Josh Allen from a year ago. <laughs> so. Um, you know, he had a really tough first five weeks of the season last year. Mm-hmm. He kind of built into this kind of MVP play. Um, they're going to have to hope he can do that again because if he if they play the way they played today mm-hmm. or last week, then it's going to be really rough. Um, and you'll be relying quite heavily on running backs that haven't been tested. So mm. they've if they keep going the way they're going, they should be easily. They should be winning the division, but in the whole AFC, it's probably a precursor to maybe a disappointing one. For mm, yeah, indeed. Uh, I'm just going to go for a quickie one here because uh, the Eagles' 32-6 trouncing of the Falcons was uh, real ugly. Um, are are the Eagles legit? They're competitive in a division that is not competitive in the big picture. Indeed. So they will t- test the Cowboys... And the Giants and Washington. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to really test anyone else. Mm. And just how bad are the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, very disappointing. Um, hopefully for them, it's just a glitch, and they'll be able to get Arthur Smith Junior. system working properly. But they got to get Pitts more of the ball. That was really disappointing for everyone. I think. In the Should league. they trade for Julio? <laughs> no, they should trade for some <laughs> offensive line play. Yeah, the offensive line was just garbage, really. Um, they don't really have if if looking at Devonte Smith's touchdown. I didn't really think they had much of a defense either. They, they it's just tough. It's tough to to compete in the NFL, and sometimes you have really bad weeks, and that looked really bad. Indeed, it is. Um, and you know they're just going up against the. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. So. Mm. Oh, I'll be fine then. Nice and yeah. easy for them. Um, your Browns, man, they were very ahead in this game to the point where you came down uh, at halftime, uh, having watched it in your bedroom when I was uh, down here working, I think. And you were just you're ecstatic. You're like, oh, this is great. I can't believe this is happening. This is great. And then the Chiefs uh, ended up putting up 23 points in the second half and um, just took it away from you. An uncharacteristic well, Nick 14, Chubb fumble. 14 points up in like a minute and a half. Yeah, uncharacteristic Nick Chubb fumble really made it... Uh, oh, Chubb fumble, that's an interesting mm, turn of yeah. phrase. Um, just yeah, put it on the ground, unfortunately. Other than that, Browns looked very good in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, really kept Casey under wraps for the first half. And then it just unraveled in the second half. That um, deep ball from Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, where your defensive back—I think it was—it was it John Johnson. I'm not entirely sure. Just totally lost Tyreek Hill. Um, I think they were saying after the game that by a numbers play, no one really expected the ball to go where it went because even Mahomes said that he had accepted the interception because they needed to get back in the game. Hell, Tyreek's out there somewhere. I'm just going to throw the ball and see what happens. And, you know, Tyreek's stopping on a dime. You know, like, Johnson's following 
Hill can't see the ball. Yeah. And, and just Hill's so quick at stepping the other way that Johnson just ends up running right past him and, you know, it gives Hill the, the freedom of the field. But, yeah. like, from a um, Brown's point of view, this game was everything you want to see. You're away from home against the AFC champions and yeah. ran, for, them, for like ran three and a half into quarters. the ground for, like, three quarters. The one thing that doesn't come from the stat sheet is the serious injury to our left tackle, mm. um, which really affected Baker and the way they ran the ball after that yeah. and then not being able to run the ball and see it out and then having Jamie Gillen drop the, oh, that, the yeah, Jamie Gillen fumbles sad. You can't do that against the Chiefs. Do that against the Texans this week. You might get away with it, but against the Chiefs with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you're it's unfortunate and it's more learning, but I don't think it's Brownsing. No, it's I, definitely learning. That's yeah, d- definitely. Like this is an improvement. Uh, I think everyone can see that this is a legitimate Browns team, and they really took it to a Kansas City Chiefs team that are still very, very good. Um, so, yeah, from my perspective, if you're a Browns fan, be excited. If you're a Chiefs fan, then also be excited. Like these are these are two legit teams uh, facing off in Week One. They came up came up against some adversity. But come through it. Um, hopefully, Jedrick Wills will be fine. I think it, as well as uh, Jack Conklin's, also questionable at the moment. I think it was a sprain uh, in the end, but because um, he was tweeting from his from yeah, the dressing room, which seems to be all right to now. do. So um, mm. they they should have a chance, but you know, you never know. It's they're in a tough division, and you know, you'd hope that they'd be able to get past the Texans and go one on one, and then just start the season. Yeah, you know. One, there. one sentence on Baker. Um, getting better. Okay, that's a, a lot more uh, brief than I anticipated, but very good. Um, right, oh. okay, so oh. the Green Bay Packers, man. Oh, everyone had them ready to run up on the Saints, but it went the other way. Uh, many people had them as the lock of the week, but not, not, not this time. Uh, 38-3 to the Saints and uh, Jameis Winston's uh, what was it uh, 148 yards is the very very much the lowest number of yards in which a player scored five touchdowns um, they just looked really methodical they didn't make any mistakes they didn't need to go for big plays except for that one big play to Deontay Harris they, they just took their opportunities. They took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands twice, including on one very uncharacteristic throw that I don't think anyone really expected. They never got their running game going. Just Eventually, Jordan Love came in and went 5 for 7 uh, for 68 because they're just like, well, what's the point in even having Rodgers out anymore? Um, so I think this is probably one of the more, you know, pretender or legit, questions of the week with with the saints um just because because of the huge margin of victory here and the like the, just like it just seems like t- like too big a, a margin too big a anomaly to be a true reflection of what this team are perhaps if you look at the box score it's maybe closer of what they they would have been but are, are the Saints legit? Are they still just a well-coached, well-rounded team with some weapons? I'd say if it had been a more normal game, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, if it had been 
10, because they beat the Buccaneers 38-3 last year. So, you know, if it had been maybe just the stats had been a little bit more, you know, what you'd expect from a score like that. So, mm. like, maybe Winston has 300 yards for, like, four touchdowns and an interception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kamara's got a rushing touchdown and has gone for, like, you know, his normal, like, 60, 70 yards. I just think it's such an anomaly. 148 yards, five touchdowns. I just don't know if that's they're just if given, that's real. They were just given short fields a lot yeah. of the time. They, they they were just so methodical, just getting enough yards each time when they, when they needed can, it. Can Jameis take the Saints from their own five-yard line to the end zone in a four-minute drill? I don't think so. I don't know if he can at this point. And he's going to have to. So I would say they're pretenders. Okay. Because they have to play the Bucks twice. And, yeah, it's just not... I need to see more, like, them go play a normal game. Yeah, I, yeah I think that this is an anomaly. But I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here just based on who's coaching that team and just just how effective it ended up being. Um, I don't think you can play a game like this every week. I, no one can. It's a very interesting uh, set of circumstances. Um, again, but like if you're, if you're the Packers, I think you actually do need to be concerned. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers will play this bad every week, but I am really concerned, especially about that, uh, that offensive line. I think they're really missing the likes of Corey Lindsley. Um, so yeah, I would I'll be watching them very closely over the coming weeks. Uh, who's it? They, they have Detroit next week, so that's either an opportunity for them to bounce back or an opportunity for Detroit to say, right, no, we are the ones who are going to run up on you because we've seen them do it this week already. Um, next up, uh, yeah, oh yeah, we'll go Broncos Giants. Like I was, I was considering skipping past it, but like I did, I did watch it. Obviously, it's my team. Broncos look really good. Uh, I think they actually left a lot on the table here. Um, KJ Hamler dropped a ball in the end zone. That was that should have been an easy touchdown. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was really good for the most part. Um, perhaps like left a couple of passes out there as well. Um, yeah, no, I think they, they, were, they were good value for their their win. And the, the Giants weren't weren't awful across the board either. Really, they had some some real moments. But yeah, I'd say I'd say that the Broncos are going to cause some teams some real problems this season. Um, that, that that defense it showed some real flashes. Von Miller is back, baby. Looking forward to seeing him more often. That's it's, they're really going to cause some problems. I would say that the Broncos are legit. Do you think they'll miss Judy? Jerry Judy out for uh, at least six weeks. I think they said possibly more with uh, a, an ankle injury. It looked pretty nasty when it happened, so I'm just kind of thankful that it's um, it's not as bad as it looked. Um, they, they'll, they'll miss him, but I think with Cortland Certain coming back to maybe have a bigger bigger role in the coming weeks, uh, they do have other depth there with Albert O and uh, Noah Fant at tight end. KJ Hamler, if he can just catch the ball. Uh, Tim Patrick was, was excellent in this game as well, always is, very consistent receiver. I think they have enough depth there to, to cope with it. Yeah, I'm just like looking at this thing of how the the stats have changed for the league. Like, it's the same that Noah Fant's already, you know, um, has has the most receptions in three seasons of a Broncos tight end. Mm. Noah Fant, and you know Daniel Jones is on is third 
in touchdowns by a rookie quarterback or for a rookie <laughs> like contracted quarterback behind Phil Simms and Eli Manning. Like he's already third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there's so much but offense. They didn't really throw that many yeah. last season. Yeah, there's so much offense that they've been able to um you know, to put up these numbers. Um I think if we link it back to the Panthers, to what the Broncos the Teddy Bridgewater looked good. He looked steady. He looked um excited. There was a, a lovely video of Von Miller after the game going, mm-hmm. you're what we need. I haven't felt like this in years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, just think like 1-8 and we'll be, you'll be 1-8. Like, mm-hmm. Just telling him that the defense has got him and as long as he just plays his game, we're going to win games. Yeah. And I feel much better about the Broncos after. I know it's just the Giants that are mm-hmm. now 0-2, but they did more with the Hamler and the um, fan and stuff than I expected Bridgewater to do. I thought it would be a very... You know, kind of going back to last year where you're relying on your running backs a bit more than mm. you'd like to. A couple of offensive line mistakes and then suddenly short field for the other team. Or, you know, you're always giving up points, so you're relying on the refs mm-hmm. at some points. The Broncos <laughs> have really bad um, referee luck in the last few years. So just got to get it. a couple... As I was saying with what Jameis was able to do when he won, has got to take advantage of the red zone opportunities. If you can get in the end zone, get the points, don't fumble the ball, keep going. There's a couple of problems with fumbles in this game as well. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, 27-13 victors in that one. Uh, looking really good. I'm I'm quite optimistic about this Broncos season. I can see this going well. Like I say, that defense looks excellent. Uh, they've, they've got all the potential in the world right now to be something special. Um, and like I say, Teddy just needs to, to do it right. Um the oh, I'm trying to think about which issue. No, no, we'll skip past those ones, and we'll just go to the Ravens versus the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, by the way, what what a stadium that is, and what an atmosphere that was. Uh, even speaking as a Broncos fan, that looked crazy down there. Um, in that was it two billion dollar stadium. Uh, so I, I I watched this game in its entirety and uh, nearly shot myself as uh, Darren Waller nearly caused a major upset in my fantasy league. But uh, just managed to hold it off. Um, he, he went off for a, a 10 receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. Derek Carr had a, had a nice game in this one too, over 400 yards passing. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously didn't really have much behind him in the, like in the running back room. But Tyson Williams had a, had a half-decent time of it. Um, Sammy Watkins uh, like, like, turned up as wide receiver. Marquise Brown was all right too. But I think that the Ravens just it just felt like they were missing something through through this entire game. It just kind of felt that despite the fact that they were um you know like stretched out ahead for a while, they they it just felt like they were going to throw it away. And then yeah. the, the the defense just made made a mess of it effectively and uh, the, the Raiders just found something within themselves to, to pull out the bag. An incredible overtime victory win, 33-27. Yeah, I think, you know, when you, you live and die by Lamar Jackson, mm. um, this can happen, you know. It's a throwing league, and running the ball was generally used to run down the clock. And so if you if you can get Lamar going and you're up by 14 points in the first 10 minutes of the game, great, because then you can run for three quarters Mm. and they won't come back because you can hold on to the ball. When the game's close, like this one was, and there's playmakers, you know, 
Renfrew, Edwards, um, Waller, they're all there. They can all catch the ball. And Carr, when he has time, can throw it. And I think there was an adjustment. They picked up what Crosby was trying to do for... Um, that's the other way around. Um, <laughs> sorry, they've picked up what the Ravens were trying to do and they were able to give Carr more time as the game progressed. He kind of got out of staring at Waller and got the ball to Edwards. And you, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Goal, but there's <laughs> okay. a scene in that where... You never thought that I'd have that reference in this podcast. The Mexican lad has the, you know, the old Geordie coach at Newcastle and he's trying to run the ball, won't pass it. So the coach takes him aside and tells him to to race the ball. And then the coach like, kicks it and he has to run after it. Mm-hmm. And the ball always wins. And it's like, you get further throwing the ball than you do running the ball. And when you have Carr mm-hmm. on the edge like he was in this game where he was always close, so he, like his receivers were dropping it, he was like just a, an inch off a couple of times. If you give Carr the opportunity to get into his rhythm and get Waller the ball, then... They're never out of the game. And Lamar just doesn't have that. You know, if you can close down the run, he isn't doing enough with his arm to to get the, Ra- the Ravens away from who they're playing. Like, they're always going to be close because mm-hmm. you need to score a couple of touchdowns, get a bit of a lead, and then run the ball. I just don't know if Lamar's got that. Um, and hmm. their, their wide receivers look a bit, you know, it looks like they've put together something kind of off of the cheap or you know they a little bit hodgepodge it kind of yeah, feels as if they need to I was going to gonna really... say higgledy I'm going to say higgledy piggledy hodgepodge it's fine we can say it mm. um, Lamar did have a problem with fumbles in this one three fumbles two of which were lost it's obviously he's going to run it mm. yeah. <laughs> it's obviously he's going to hold the ball and you know if you're not going to protect him then He's a little lad. He's going to go mm. down, and sometimes when you're trying to get down, you can get the ball. It happens. Like, I, I would say if you're the Ravens, uh, you're, you're not going to be too concerned, but you know, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be sticking in your mind for a little while that this was a problem game. Um, but if you're a Raiders fan, you've, you've got to feel, feel pretty good about yourself. Your team showed that they can, they can do something. Um, Brian Edwards, by the way, I think all of his four catches were... In, in the last critical three moments minutes of the game, and then in uh, overtime, yeah, it's incredible. Four receptions for eighty-one yards and five targets. Hunter Renfro came up big too, but um, the the deciding play was just a, a busted coverage, which saw Zay Jones just walk on through and catch a, a lovely little ball from Derek Carr for the touchdown and the walk-off score. Just nice, man. Are the Raiders legit? Um. I think they're maybe a little bit better on offense than was expected, but I think they, they've they missed on so many first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, PFF have a list on their Twitter page of, I think, the last five years of first-round picks didn't even play in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, two of which were healthy scratches. That's just mm-hmm. bad. A little bit concerning. Yeah, and, um, you know, if Marcus Peters had been there to ball hawk a bit more and cover cover the gaps between Waller and Carr, I think maybe there would have been a bit more chance for interceptions. So when Carr goes up against, you know, Jalen Ramsey's of the world and stuff, it's going to be a little bit different. But I think there's cause for, you know, optimism. They've got the stadium. They've got a crowd that's Mm -hmm. close to the field. They have an atmosphere. And, you know, you just hope that Gruden can unlock something in Carr during the season that allows them to compete. So in a very tough division... 
um, and they're probably not expected to finish above the Chargers even in that division. So I don't think we'll know with um, the Raiders until they play the Chargers or the Broncos mm-hmm. where they're at. But it looks good. It's a win in overtime on Monday Night Football. Yeah, what, what more play. can you ask for? They didn't even, when I first started watching NFL, they hadn't played a Monday Night Football game in like 11 years or something. <laughs> and the only reason they got on was because it was Charles Woodson's last game. Like, they, they're improving. And hopefully this is a new start for them where they can get the Vegas energy and, and start to actually make a difference in the league. Because yeah. it feels like they've just been also runs for ages. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just going to kind of rattle through some of the teams that we, we sort of skipped over. Uh, the Chargers beat the football team 20 points to 16. Um, obviously, we just watched the football team uh, Wednesday against the, the Giants. Um, Chargers looked a bit, eh, I don't know. But, of course, the big story out of this game was the loss of Ryan Fitzpatrick to a hip injury. Yeah. Uh, up steps Taylor Heineke, and he looked really good tonight. Um do you think that the Chargers are are legit based on what you saw last week? I think you can only do what your best players can do. And if you take the Chargers at Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen and Derwin James, then they can play anyone on any given day. Yeah. Um, but got to keep healthy. Mm. Just got to keep healthy. They just don't have enough. Uh, There's no uh, margin for error. Is it Rashawn Taylor? The, I can't remember his name. Uh, Slater? Sean Slater, that tackle. The tackle, yeah. brilliant. Played really well. Um, he twists his ankle near the end. But, um, yeah, they, they really really need to rely on their skilled players. Um, and if yeah. they stay healthy and are productive, they're going to be a really good team. But Yeah, I'd say so. Staley's a better coach than they've had in a while. So let's see how they do. They look pretty solid. Uh, another one that we kind of glossed over was the Dolphins and Patriots. So Dolphins come out 17-16 victors in Mac Jones's first game, the uh, the battle of the former Alabama quarterbacks, and Tua Tungvaluwa came out on top in this one. But after a very inauspicious start, where Mac Jones just looked totally flustered, he was, you know, very little short of exceptional, really. Um, yeah, he, he just looked fantastic in, in this one. He was uh, really spreading it about nicely. He looked like an actual professional. Uh, I am once again worried that the New England Patriots might be about to build something around a decent quarterback. Yeah, um, Mac Jones didn't lose this game. They Belichicked it right to the last play of the game, last drive of the game. They could have run down the clock and kicked a field goal. Harris fumbles Damien it. Harris fumbles. They and, lose by oh. one point. That doesn't happen to the Patriots every week. So if no. Mac Jones can stay consistent and build into the game the Incredible way Incredible strip sack and recovery by Xavier Howard on that one, by the way. Yeah. Just really, really big props for that one. Yeah, so the Dolphins might not be there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's any great surprise, I think. But, no. you know, Waddle and Tua at red zone reception, there's a little bit to it. Um, they... They will be competitive, but yeah. Patriots should have probably won this game a little bit easier than than the Dolphins made it for them, and they made it for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And you know, they if you play that kind of way where you drain the clock and you run the ball and you want to kick the final field goal, mm-hmm. which I used to imagine because I don't know how the passing route <laughs> um, this can happen. 
and Belichick will learn from it. He's learned from everything else he's done. And I'm sure the Patriots are just going to be a really solid team that no one wants to play this year. Yeah, I think so. Everyone's going to be a little bit worried that they might be the team that they might trip up over. Uh, the Chicago Bears went to Los Angeles and got beat up on by the Rams, 34-14. to uh, the Rams have never lost in week one under Sean McVay and Matt Stafford. <coughs> Sorry, I just got... <laughs> you, get, you get emotional there. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so happy for Matt Stafford playing in a good team. Uh, I also need another beer, I think. But um, Matt Stafford, highest passer rating in NFL history for a player in their debut with a new team uh, of a minimum of 20 pass attempts. He just looked so in tune with this team, so in tune with his wide receivers. Um, you had uh, like big days from Cooper Cup. Van Jefferson had a had a couple of deep balls. Uh, Robert Woods looked solid as well in the time that he had. Tyler Higby, um, yeah, just really really went off on this one. Uh, Daryl Henderson is emerging as the number one running back uh, for the Rams as well, and he looked pretty good too. On the Bears side of things, it was it was still Dalton's day. Um, like in terms of giving him the opportunity, but he didn't take it. Uh, Justin Fields got on the on the pitch for uh, for two pass attempts and uh, and, a, and a short rush, which he did take in for a touchdown. To his credit, uh, David Montgomery looked pretty solid though, so that was a good thing for them. Other than that, I think Bears might be a little bit concerned about about the season at this point. Same problem we've had for ages. Good Goodwin, Komet, Robinson, and Mooney is not does not an offense create. They need more more everywhere. They need to have a little something come from that. Like Alan Robinson, I'm sure we'll see a lot more from him through the course of this season. Um, but well, I mean, that's because he is great. He is a very, very good wide receiver. But they just couldn't find him in this particular game. I mean, obviously, he was being guarded by Jalen Ramsey through the course of this game as well. So it's not exactly making it easy. Uh, he was held pretty much in check there. Um, six receptions on eleven targets for thirty-five yards. Yeah, they were talking about um, on on the Ringer NFL show about how Jalen Ramsey's been allowed to just play mm-hmm. under Staley. Um, well, under Staley, they played halves, so you know Ramsey would always cover one half of the field, and then they never throw the ball that way. <laughs> um, in this game, he was the option. He came into the slant. He followed Robinson around. Obviously, you're going to throw the ball to Robinson. He came off and was like, I hope every game's like this because mm. he just had so much fun. And I think that's scary for everyone if Ramsey's having fun. And there was a couple of anecdotes about, um, you know, the golf trips between Cooper Cup, Stafford and McVeigh mm-hmm. and how they're all best mates. And I just think if you're a Rams fan, this is really exciting. It's boarding well, I would say. It's certainly so that's not even including Donald, yeah. who's the best player in football. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the best possible start they could have. Uh, they go to Indianapolis this week, so um, let's see if they can keep that one going. Um, for Chicago, uh, they will be taking on Cincinnati, so we'll see how that goes. It's uh, going to be an interesting oh, one for them. Cincinnati go two and zero. I'm yeah. going to be really annoyed. Now, I was going to I was going to ask you what the more what the most exciting matchup for week two is, but I think we all know that it should be Kansas City versus Baltimore, really, because that's got a lot of potential to be a very very exciting game. Um, other than that, I would probably say keep an eye on. Well, that won't be interesting. Tennessee, Seattle. I think we'll we'll start to learn stuff about both teams from that game there. I've um, got a really good feeling about the Giants and Washington. <laughs> oh, how do you reckon that one's going to go? <laughs> it's a bit exciting. Yeah, yeah, it certainly will be. Um, if you haven't had a chance to watch that one yet because you're asleep, um, it was a really good game. 
Yeah, I had a. Uh, oh, I would say I had one eye, but I maybe had one and a half eyes on it whilst I was also working at the time. But um, yeah, good game, worth a watch. Yeah, this this weekend the games are quite. You know, there's not a lot going on. It is um, a lot of um, of those interconference games. Mm-hmm. You know, like just to fill out the schedule. Now we have seventeen games. Um, I would say that the Bengals Bears is going to be really intriguing and might be a good watch if you're wanting to see some some rookies and some players you haven't seen and learn about. Um, I think San Francisco and Philadelphia might be an interesting one too, actually. Yeah. Um, Just given some of the youth in those teams. The main game I'll be interested in is Saints-Panthers just because it is Mm. a divisional game. Yeah. And, um, you know, we want to see what the Saints and Panthers actually look like. Absolutely. I just wish that some of these games weren't on at five in the morning our time. you've got two more weeks, mate, and then it's six. (sighs) Okay. Well, that's slightly more manageable. Uh, But Denver-Jacksonville at five o'clock in the morning, uh, I'll also be keeping an eye on. Uh, I'll maybe try and... uh, Stay away from that if possible, but it's really difficult when you have fantasy. Uh, it's really hard when your phone's well. telling you. Yeah, we'll turn <laughs> like turn those five off. Five different apps. What the yeah. scores are. So, Darren, uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to to, to bring up uh, before we wrap up today? No, just the apology that we're tardy. Uh, I think um, hopefully next week we'll be able to get the um, the review pod out on the Tuesday, and then be able to do a little bit of a um, bit of a look forward to week three, but. Maybe even try and squeeze in that uh, that two hour AFC podcast. <laughs> yeah, it'll be um, it'll be a probably two games already played. Oh, probably a little man. bit um, little bit of a thing, but you know, it's the AFC. Maybe we should just try and do a, a, a rapid fire thing where it's like thirty seconds in each team. Like I go thirty seconds, you go thirty seconds, and if either of us goes over, then the well, uh, then, 16, then that one gets a slap. Minutes? Yeah, okay. Cool. Because I will I will beat the living daylights out of you when you go over all the time. <laughs> anyway if, if, if that's all for, for this week Darren yep. then excellent thank you all very much for joining us like I say very much uh, an on the fly podcast but I think uh, we did pretty good uh, going through what we thought there uh, the, the angle of uh, like pretenders or legit was um, uh, not, not too bad if I do say so myself good job okay thank you uh, alright guys thank you very much and we'll see you when we see you like I say hopefully in good time bye bye